Hi, this is Amita Switlow from QSO VSO. I'm in Brandon, Manitoba. First time in my life sitting on at the home of Leslie Kritai. Uh, did I say it right this time? Yeah. All right. Yay. No, no, say it properly. <laughs> Kritai. Kritai. Um, and uh, Leslie uh, served with us in Ghana. We're sitting in her lovely home. It's a thundery summer day. Uh, Leslie, it's so good to see you. Nice Finally, Finally, we talked yeah. on the phone a few times when you first got back. When yeah. did you serve in Ghana? September 2004 until April 2008. So you did quite a few terms. You One went with full VSO. term and then 18 months. You went with VSO? Yes. Okay. Now, what was your education before you went? Um... I have two degrees. Okay. A uh, four-year Bachelor of Arts in Psychology and Sociology, mm-hmm. and a Bachelor of Education, early and middle years. Wow. And I was listening to you doing a radio interview today. Thank you for doing that. It was no great. And thank you for phoning all the Brandonites. Is that okay? Yes. We call them Brandonites. Yeah, that's I think what we're technically okay. called. So all you. QSO VSO RVs that are Brandonites. Leslie is here and uh, tried to get a hold of you. Yeah, tried to get a hold of you. And so, uh, yeah, she was doing an interview today and I was just blown away listening to the interview because of your background in volunteering. I was listening to all the things you had done. Tell me a bit more about that. Let's go back to a young Leslie. Um, oh gosh. I grew up in a small community. What's the name of the town? Strathclair. Strathclair. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No? Yeah. Strath. S-T-R-A-T. Yeah. That's okay. Strathclair, yes. And um, I think there's only about three to four hundred people. It's a farming community for the most part. Mm-hmm. But um, I grew up in a uh, one of... We were basically outsiders to the village because uh, our family didn't come from that village. My dad was an immigrant to Canada. Um, from Hungary? From Hungary. Okay. And he was actually a refugee. Uh-huh. He came to Canada in 1957 following the uh, Hungarian Revolution. Oh, okay. Against the communists regime. And... Um, he came to Canada via the Red Cross. Um, they, there used to be a program for immigrants, refugee immigrants in those days, where they would match them with a host family that okay. would help them to establish themselves in the community, learn a trade or whatnot. So he was matched with a German-speaking family in a French-speaking town called St. Lazar, Manitoba. Okay. And uh, that's where he met my mother, whose first language was French. Ah, that's how they met. Okay. His language was Hungarian and German, Uh and they met in the middle with English. So, um, they, he came in 57, they moved to Strathclair in 62, and he established his own plumbing and heating business. And so we were kind of an implant into the community. Okay. 
Um, so you were in school there. So I went to school there um, from K to grade 12. Small community, farming community. We had a very strong 4-H club mm -hmm. that I was involved with when I was younger. Um, everybody wanted to be in 4-H. So involved with that when I was younger. A lot of volunteerism throughout the community. We always did a lot of volunteering. Smaller communities, we do things as a community. So we always had fall suppers. We had a very strong drama club in the community that is actually well known in southwestern Manitoba. They put on musicals every year. Um, I was involved with that. Cadets. Wow. And then in university? Yeah. And then, well, in high school, I was also involved in student politics and okay. fundraising, etc. Um, encounters with Canada, mm -hmm. which is a national program. Oh, and Canada World Youth? No, Encounters with Canada. Oh, okay. It was a program in, I guess it would have been... But you did do the Mulrooney era. Encounters with Canada. I don't. I think but it did was you do Canada World Youth? I did do Canada World Youth later okay. on. All right. So Canada <laughs> so World Youth, and then at university, your university, I was heavily involved with student politics. Yes. Um, Which university? Brandon University. Okay. Um, I actually started. I went to the U of M for my first year. Okay. And transferred to Brandon University. At the U of M, I was involved with the Arts Council. Um, soccer intramurals. Wow. Um, and but I'm not a big fan of Winnipeg. <laughs> Sorry to people from Winnipeg. <laughs> so she comes. She's so in I Brandon. transferred to Brandon, closer to the family. It's only an hour from Strathclair. It's a smaller city. Um, Great. So you decided at some point, international work was interesting to you. What was that? When? When I was 18, okay. or even younger probably, I've always had a, a desire to travel, yeah. a wanderlust, because my father was an immigrant. So I always wanted to go back to Hungary um, and to travel in Europe. And my family always instilled like a, a volunteering spirit in me, just because we grew up in a small village and we were outsiders and we always took in other outsiders so we were always nice you know trying to get involved with something or other so, so you applied to vso and you i remember you saying that you got uh one one offer of a placement but then you decided the sustainable one was the one in ghana where did you go in ghana wah wah <laughs> All right, so you go to WA, what are you doing there? Well, I was a teacher support officer. Okay. Um, With what organization? Ghana Education Services. Ghana Education Services. I was with the WA Municipal yeah. Office, yeah. Education Office. And <clears throat> I worked very closely with the head teacher advisor and the circuit supervisors. Um, the circuit supervisors are basically the people who go out and do quality control. They check to see that teachers are, in fact, teaching, <laughs> are um, in the classrooms. And 
they do uh, assessments of the teachers. So I went there to help them to develop tools for doing needs assessments, for helping the teachers identify what they needed. Because most of the teachers didn't know how to express what they were looking for for development mm -hmm. professionally. They, um, the f situation in many of the rural schools in Canada, Ghana is very dire. They don't have any access to any kind of uh, resources. So they're pretty much frustrated. In most of the areas where I did a lot of my work, they didn't even have copies of the curriculum. Um, and uh, they didn't know how to teach the subjects because they didn't have the curriculum to teach with, they didn't have any resources to teach with. So it was basically trying to help them get a copy of the curriculum to begin with, mm -hmm. which finally happened. Um, develop resources with what they had without having to use money um, because many of them thought they needed to have bells and whistles but they didn't realize they could use things like bottle caps, sticks, stones for counters in mathematics right. for example. Right. So they didn't realize they had resources at their fingertips that they could use to teach the courses. They had, if they were teaching sciences, they have trees right outside their classroom or sometimes they're teaching under a tree. Mm -hmm. So they can use the tree as a teaching tool because they can talk about the parts of the tree. Okay. So it's just le letting them know that they have the resources. They don't have to spend money you know, to you, teach. <laughs> you said something else in that, in that press interview that that uh, that kind of surprised me was that you said you would meet older men who were educators and had been educators for a long time, and you would and they would say that they didn't know anything. Yeah, that must have been a surprise to you. It was shocking to me that I came in fairly young, inexperienced as far as my country would be concerned, yeah. educator, because I'm young in the education system, um, had, you know, a few years experience teaching, um, but I had worked in other areas, um, came in to work with, my coworkers were all mostly in their 50s, had all been in the education system for 20 to 30 years, um, were uh, quite educated with either a degree or um, a wealth of practical experience and they had no comprehension of their own abilities. They thought they knew nothing and they'd say, so you've come white lady from Canada and you are educated and you know everything, teach us. And I was like, what? <laughs> Are you crazy? You know what? You know? <laughs> if you guys were sitting with us right now, you would see the spirit in wonderful Leslie. And you'd know that 
um, I'm sure you uh, made them feel and, and helped them realize that they were indeed experienced people. I tried. Yes. Because I, I found it mind-boggling that they could have so little respect for their own knowledge. I didn't tell them that, <laughs> but I was like, what do you mean? You know, you know this stuff. I said, okay, so if you needed to teach mathematics, what would you do? And they would tell me. I'd say, well, okay, so how would you teach that to the teacher? And they're like, oh, okay. So basically, it was quite lush for me. I just had to get them to understand they already had the tools and they could teach it. I did a little bit of professional development within the circuit supervisors to maybe show them some different methods, especially around child-centered techniques, because that was pretty much a foreign concept mm. in Ghana because mm. of the large class sizes, but how to develop group teaching techniques, um, because some classes are like 90 students, what do you do? Wow. So there was different techniques you could use, like break your 90 students into three separate groups and alternate the teaching time so that you have each group doing different things and just cycle through that kind of thing. But it was it was a learning process for both me and them yes. because I learned a lot about my own abilities because when I got offered the position I thought, I can't do this. You know, I don't have the experience. But the program manager for education at the time was like anything you can do just do for it. them just try they will appreciate so don't feel like you can't offer them anything so you're there for two terms tell me you're you lived in a VSO um, um, a house in uh, what yeah um, the way VSO works in Ghana is that they arrange it with the the um, traditionally it's supposed to be the partner organization yes. that offers the accommodation. But why is a university town? I guess I could say they have a university for development studies there, oh. so they have a, a huge student population that comes seasonally. Uh -huh. So housing is quite scarce. Okay. So VSO took it upon themselves to get a, a quite large cement block house that had three bedrooms in it. And um, I moved in with another volunteer when I first got there who was from the Philippines. She was a South-South volunteer. Mm -hmm. From VSO Bahaganan. Yes. And she was working in the field of HIV-AIDS education. And um, we shared the house, and then she moved on. And then um, there were other volunteers so who came. So it was kind of a revolving door <laughs> for volunteers, because I was like a... You were, you were like... I was, the, I was a lifer. <laughs> you were the lifer host mom that yeah. stayed there. So what was your favorite food in Ghana? I have two favorite dishes. All right. Um, There's something made with rice. What's that called? Okay, go ahead. Tell me. I okay. just ate something <laughs> the other different. My favorite dish is probably the most common dish in the area I'm in 
Um, their staple food is a dish called Tuozafi, which is the Hausa name. Okay. It's TZ, is the short name, and it's made with a combination of um, corn flour, maize flour, and uh, cassava flour. Oh, together. So what they do is they, they mix the corn flour with a bit of water, mm-hmm. and they have a boiling pot of water, mm-hmm. and then they mix that corn flour water mixture. It's kind of like when you mix cornstarch with water. It's kind of a shiny, solid, liquidy mm-hmm. mass. They pour it into the boiling water, and they stir, and stir, and stir, and stir, and it thickens into a porridge-like consistency. Then they add a bit of cassava flour straight into that mixture, and it kind of makes it a bit thicker and gives it a bit of a sour taste. Mm-hmm. And it's like a really thick, 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 thick porridge. And what do you put in it? A you stew? have it with a stew. So you'll have it, it's like a glop yeah. in, on one plate. And you'll dip your finger into it yeah. and then dip that glop of finger food with your right hand, not never your left, because the left is dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you dip that into a stew. And my favorite stew to have teas it with is called, the common name is Jojo, which is a groundnut soup, with peanut soup, with um, a, a leafu leaf in it. It's kind of like a type of spinach. It's, oh, nice. It's a very heavy so spinach. It's, so it's got some some iron and other Yeah, things. it's very good. And, it, and if you... Like if you have more money, then you can add like beef meat. or goat meat to it. Mm-hmm. But that's my favorite, and my husband makes the best Jojo and TZ. So, and my second, not so common in the north. Fufu is common enough. Fufu is like pounded yam in the north. Um, they pound the yam, and it's kind of like a. <sighs> Sweet potato kind of mashed up? No, it, yam is not the same as sweet potato. The yams there look like a big arm. Yeah, they're huge. <laughs> and they are like a potato, but they're starchier. Yeah. They're heavier. And they pound them and pound them and pound them. And it's like a heavy mashed potato. The way the yam, yam the fufu is made in the north, it's, its local name is Kapala, but fufu is like the Hausa name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's only with yam. In the south, it's made differently. It's made with uh, cassava, or it's made with plantain, or a combination of cassava and plantain. And it's very sticky in the south. In the north, it's more fluffy, like a mashed potato, but heavier. Mm-hmm. And you scoop it into a stew, similar to the TZ. But it's you never chew the food, like the TZ and, and fufu. You don't chew it. You just swallow it. Mm-hmm. You just let it go down. It's not chewing food. Okay. <laughs> so for uh, when you first go as a foreigner and you're presented with fufu or teaza, it is something that you're like, oh my god, it looks like a lump of dough or a lump of really bad porridge. But it's an acquired taste, and once you like acquired it, you it, like it. Yeah, my daughter loves stuff like that. Yeah. Well, in I think in Kenya they have, it's Kugali. Yeah, Ugali. Ugali. Okay. It's similar to TZ. Okay, wonderful. It's, it's very similar to TZ. So you stayed there a long time, and now you're back in Brandon, Manitoba. Yeah. 
You're working with Immigrant Services, are you? Is that what it's yes. called? Westman Immigrant Services. Okay. Westman? Westman. Oh, oh it's... Brandon. A, yes. A lot of our organizations is called Westman, Western Manitoba. Oh, okay, okay. Westman. Okay. All right. So we're Westman Immigrant Services, and we are a settlement services organization. Okay. And we have... Three umbrellas mm -hmm. in our settlement services. We have the settlement side, the employment services side, and the language services side. Are you doing language? I'm primarily working language services mm -hmm. and doing some settlement services um, because I also do um, entry program instruction, which is a settlement program. Yes. It's for people who have just arrived, mm -hmm. orientation to the city and the province. Nice. So it's um, uh, welcome, this is our city, these are our services, and explains our organization to them. Well, hopefully, shortly, you'll be able to welcome your wonderful husband yes. to Brandon, and I wish you good luck with so, that. Thank you. And uh, I'm send them directly to West Med Immigrant Services yes. to get help because I'm tired. We're so <laughs> you know, we're work. so happy that you served with us, uh, and now with QSO uh, VSO. Yeah. And um, please stay involved. Oh, help yeah. us get these. Uh, I almost re volunteered because it was taking so long for my husband to get here. Yeah, but we're, we're that off we'll always we'll always have you back. I know. You have a good I, reputation. They keep, yeah, they keep sending me emails. So are you going to volunteer again? Is your husband here yet? I'm like, he's not here, but I'm waiting, waiting. They waiting. wanted me to re-volunteer this September. Yeah. And I was like... Well, we really appreciate your work and, uh, and your courage to do all the things you've done and the volunteering in your community and abroad. And... Uh, Leslie, I'll be back in Brandon, Manitoba, I yes. promise you. You have to be. I came specially to see her, by the way. <laughs>